Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phantropological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. I'm Nick G, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Critical Role and the people who love it, who are also known as critters. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I rolled a 30? That that doesn't make any sense. And Nick Z. Eldritch Blast. <laughs> For those not in the know, Critical Role is an American web series in which a group of professional voice actors play Dungeons and Dragons, specifically 5th edition. The show started streaming in March of 2015, partway through the cast's first campaign, and I believe it's not until the second campaign where you get your Eldritch Blast. To get us started talking about Critical Role, I did manage to find some interesting fandom facts about Critical Role, uh, which is a thing that I did not know very much about before coming into this podcast and before doing the research for this week's episode. One thing I decided to do this week was to look at the Google Trends data for Critical Role, and holy crap, is it popular. It sure is. Critical Role has been on a meteoric rise since its introduction to the web. I compared it like it, it, first of all, it's the most popular now as it's ever been, with the exception of something that happened in March 2019. That would if, be. I, I have this prepared already. That would oh, be perfect. the uh, the Vox Machina uh, Kickstarter to make an animated uh, version of the first campaign, and ah. that's when the Kickstarter kind of happened. Okay, this is also the Kickstarter campaign that got that launched. That series, but also Amazon very recently picked it up for an additional season. Yeah, they they originally wanted to do a twenty minute short, and they're now going to do at least two seasons. <laughs> wow! Uh, fun fact related to that: I, I wrote this. I forget where I pulled this from, but it it didn't make as much sense reading it now as with that context. Uh, previously, Critical Role was part of Geek and Sundry. And at the time, after it had done that, the cast announced a fundraiser for the animation of the White Briar Arc, which is a particular subset of the Vox Machina campaign. The campaign had asked for $750,000 because animation is expensive. Mm-hmm. And within an hour had reached $1 million. And at the end of the Kickstarter campaign, they had raised a record-breaking $11.3 million. Dollars. So to anyone who said, you know, got to stop playing your your board games, your video games, etc. They just aren't talking to the right people. We'll get into this later, but Critical Role is its own company now. I have many questions and I will also come back to that. Mm -hmm. Speaking of coming back to things, going briefly back to Google Trends data, I decided to plot it against other things like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder. Uh, to see if there's any correlation. And wouldn't you know it, at about the same time that Critical Role starts getting popular, Dungeons & Dragons, which has been on a long decline since 2004, suddenly starts going on the upswing. Well, let's see here. When did 5e come out? <laughs> oh, that's also a relevant question that I did not look up. <laughs> Second half of 2014. Which is like... Like ish when Critical Role starts. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll post a link in the show notes, but the graph is still relatively flat for 2014 ish. Mm-hmm. But it definitely takes an uptick after Critical Role comes on the scene. They kind of work in tandem, right? 
They do. Like, they <laughs> like D&D gets people into a critical role and vice versa. Uh, I also plotted Pathfinder against this. What I find interesting is that Pathfinder is relatively unmoved the entire time. It is definitely <laughs> less popular than D&D, more popular than Critical Role, as a search term at least, um, mm-hmm. and generally is on a slow uptick from, I don't know, January 2004. It's like doubled in popularity since then. Oh, wow. But it doesn't go up nearly as quickly as D&D does when critical role shows up and when critical role shows up pathfinder doesn't really change uh that's that's just a weird bit that i decided to look up because i'm a nerd nice yeah that's that's interesting it sounds like like tabletop gaming in general is sort of up like a like rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing but uh D is like the kleenex or the xerox yeah. of tabletop rpgs yeah, uh, that's that's really hard to argue against. The other fandom fact that I have, and I will also link to this in the show notes, is I found out, and this is just showing the dedication of, of fandom, there is a site entirely devoted to stats about the Critical Role game. We're not hey. talking, we're not talking like um, how many times such and such picked his nose, but I imagine if that happened, <laughs> it is in there. We're talking like dice rolls, puns, People have gone to town covering everything. Oh, there's a section for media references. <laughs> wow. Wow. Like, yeah. just if you are a fan of Critical Role, now is now is your time. There's, there's anything you want. You want the game. You want the world of the game. You can pick the Critical Role campaign setting for your Dungeons & Dragons campaign on D&D Beyond. Yeah. Go down to your local friendly gaming store. Uh, get get minis of <laughs> either campaign of the characters of either campaign. I have a fun fact to add on 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 the ones you had there. Go for it. Which is actually so the group actually started playing D anD D well before they streamed it. <laughs> Began two years prior to the start of the series as a one off for Liam O'Brien's birthday, and they were playing. Uh, D&D 4th Edition. They kept playing it. They switched it to Pathfinder. Hmm. After Felicia Day heard about their game, she was like, why don't you stream it? And they were like, <clears throat> they were like, would people want to watch other people play D&D? <laughs> <laughs> and, and when they started streaming it, they switched it to 5e. Interesting. Yeah. I think the thing that I'm I'm learning after... Admittedly, some of the, the fandoms that we cover are, are larger budget kind of productions like TV shows and movies and whatnot. But the mm-hmm. thing that I'm learning as I hear about more, I don't know, fandom-oriented fandoms, if that makes any sense, things things that are more a bit homegrown, I guess, is okay. that really you should just try stuff. <laughs> yeah, just just do it. Why not? Like, what's the, what's the worst that happens? No, one's wat- no one watches? Yeah. Terrible. Had a good time, and no one was there to see it. <laughs> when they started streaming, it was in the middle of a campaign. Really? Oh, yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> episode, like, so episode one isn't you all meet up in a tavern? Nope. Huh. I mean, from... Weird. And, and we can get into this more as we, as we segue into first impressions, but uh, after reading Vox Machina Origins which I picked up specifically for this episode. Uh, I get the impression that they definitely did not start the campaign with, so you all meet up in a bar. 
I mean, I mean, Vox Machina Oranges probably is covering what they what was not streamed, or at least oh, ab- absolutely, you know, yeah. As far as I know, yeah. <laughs> Should we take a walk down memory lane and and talk about our first impressions of Critical Role before we get into the main discussion? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. So my first impression was just hearing the two words together a lot, <laughs> without having much concept of what it was. I just kept hearing, oh, Critical Role. Um, I love Critical Role. I'm like, what is it? I said without like investigating it immediately after I heard that. But I'm like, I, I understand it's like it's like D and D, something like you're watching other people play D and I had a similar reaction to I think it was Mercia Ray who was like, do people want to watch that? And I was like, do people want to watch other people play D and <laughs> I mean, we I guess we've already got Twitch where people watch other people play video games and people seem to enjoy that. So I guess why not? But I, I, but I thought it was really weird that that was a thing. I'm like, how is that? That would just be, I'd just be sad that I'm not playing D and D. Was my was my first reaction to hearing like what the, what the concept was. But now as it stands, I'm 13 episodes into campaign two, so uh, <laughs> no spoilers. Okay, interesting. Honestly, I did I didn't know too much about critical role i think it's one of those things that you hear about what feels like eons ago and then someone tells you that it only happened a few years ago <laughs> yeah uh, but it's it's something that you're aware of and like occasionally someone mentions and you're like cool i should look into that someday and and never do <laughs> uh but my actual exposure to critical role as as a show as as a whatever have you has actually been directly through the fandom indirectly through uh it's jenny die it's it's jenny d is it it's jenny d when i read it in my head i say jenny d but i don't know if that's correct okay apologies to you if you were listening to this podcast uh i follow you on twitter and mostly because g had mentioned uh, this really good article about social media and and promoting yourself on there anyway so i followed her on twitter and she is like one of the most, if not the most prominent jester cosplayer mm. out there. And obviously tweets a crap load of stuff about critical role, primarily from jester. I actually, as a result of this, forgot that the show's entire premise was voice actors playing dungeons and dragons, <laughs> which is, you know, a critical component of the show. <laughs> mm. um, there might've been some other things that I'd seen, like some animatics with jester, but then later when we were going to do an episode uh, for for this for the show, G mentioned it's like, oh, it's like a three-hour-long show. It's unedited, and it's a bunch of people doing D&D. I was like, I don't know if this is for me. I was pretty, I was pretty skeptical because that sounds, on the face of it, like a terrible time. Fortunately, I'm coming around, but uh, that was definitely like a really? That's a thing? My first impressions, as far as I remember them, uh, came fairly recently. I think the first place that I heard about Critical Role was actually when G brought it up as, hey guys, here's this cool <laughs> live play D&D thing. And I was like, oh, sounds like the Adventure Zone. And that was kind of it, because I listened to the Adventure Zone, which, um, for those not in the know, um, it's the brothers McElroy plus their dad playing D&D. And... It sort of it started out as this live play thing, just of D and D. But then, as they were wrapping up, they're like, "Well, you know, Griffin probably doesn't want to always be the DM. So, what are we going to do?" So, after they finished off their initial uh, story arc, 
they sort of rotated being DMs and also rotated gaming systems. So I think they've done superheroes now. They've probably done some sort of Wild West setting. Hmm. So I didn't really have any interest beyond the sort of, I guess, high fantasy D&D one. So I stopped listing it once that finished. <laughs> <laughs> but because of the Adventure Zone, I kind of feel like, or no spoilers here for uh, for later on in the show, but I kind of felt like, you know, maybe I'm good. Maybe I, I don't need critical role in my life. And Oof. just have to listen to the end to find out what happens. Maybe I don't need it, but I want to find out what happens. excellent one thing getting into the main discussion that I find really interesting about Critical Role and you brought this up to you is this idea of the Matt Mercer effect which is uh, and these these are your words Critical Role seems to be to D&D what Harry Potter was to literacy in general uh, getting way more fans into the game and specifically way more fans into DMing and I definitely agree with that. But as I actually listened to an episode, because I made up my mind before I decided, I made up my mind before I actually listened to an episode, which is of course the best way to uh, form opinions. (laughs) I just realized listening to an episode, kind of one of the things that must make it special for fans is that it's like, what if you had a D and D campaign, but it was just so ridiculously well done. It's it's like when people watch, as you mentioned, Twitch. It's like people aren't just watching for a sense of community and to for potentially a game that they love. It's that you're watching something that you'd like done on a level that you probably may not see in your own lifetime, in your own experiences. There's nothing more satisfying to watch than extreme competency. Mm-hmm. It's that's it. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. It's it's smooth as all hell. Like Matt is like legitimately an incredible dm and it's not like oh he thought up this one idea that's so crazy that's why he's good just like he's good at like all the little things he, he never falters i mean I, I nearly did a spit take the the maybe one or two times when i when someone's been like what's this guy's name and the first thing he says is uh <laughs> he usually doesn't have to do that but it's hilarious when he does but yeah he's just like just smooth and 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 the players, those are a lot of like, a lot of little side comments, and they are also actually eating, <laughs> which, I mean, I've listened to a bunch now, and it hasn't bothered me. I mostly just hear crinkles of bags, but sometimes <laughs> someone will talk with their mouth full, like they are eating while they do this. But it's like <laughs> everyone. I mean, they've they've played for a long time together, like a long time together now. They have their, um. Their patter pretty down. They're what they're going to do pretty down, and generally what to roll for. They're not always in that way. You can see the sort of symbiotic connection between critical role fans and D and D fans, because it's like D and D being played at a high level, not literally a high level, though the campaigns are one to twenty, I believe. But like D and D being played really well. Um. So not only would you be invested in the story and the characters and stuff, you'd be like, I can do that. I can do that with my game. I can do, and like, like the amount of people that I know that, that since I last talked to them have since become DMs, I find incredible. <laughs> it seems almost the opposite of the quote Matt Mercer effect where no one can live up to Matt Mercer. A lot of people seem to be like, oh yeah, I can do that. Like I can, I can DM. I just have to make some stuff up. 
Um, and it, you know, it's not easy to do it as well as he does. He's been DMing for 20 years or so, I believe. But you can sort of, even watching it lets you see the building blocks of how you might want to DM or how you might want to build this character. Or if you're playing a particular class, you can, you can do it in the way that, uh, that, that one of the characters did it on Critical Role. This, this assessment is going to come across as being like not, particularly charitable but it's like you have this tiny little window into a world that your world could be like but it's not your world and you have to like turn your back to the cold and and try to figure out what you can you can glean from that not not to say that uh, that level of of gameplay is not achievable by other people but that uh it's an acknowledgement that that there is such a a big difference i think one of the reasons that people are such big fans of critical role is is because you have this cool world and any DM could do that. Any DM mm-hmm. can build their own interesting world. All the players can like contribute to that world and help build it up as well with their zany antics or serious <laughs> antics as your, as your campaign could be. But it's just every little bit, as you said, uh, that the DM that the players do together on the show that makes it feel like you could do it. It's not even like, performative like the olympics <laughs> where you're like oh yeah i could do a triple half calf sow cow yeah. you're like i could do this are you this, ordering this a could coffee be or describing a figure skating minute <laughs> i started with the one and went to the other okay that's fair mulatte no that's definitely <laughs> but it, it it makes it feel like it's achievable and it it, it i think it's because it looks effortless it does. It mm-hmm. it really does. And the interesting thing about it is that it is unedited, which is the thing that struck me the most. Because I was listening to it mainly in podcast form. And to listen to a live stream as a podcast is a bit jarring coming from listening to edited, finessed podcasts. And each episode is like four hours. So it's a lot. And even though I'm a fan, I can't listen to episode after episode still. I have to like take a break and listen to something else. Coming coming back to your point about Critical Role being to D&D like Harry Potter was to literacy, I also find it interesting because like that is true. Harry Potter was a big boost for literacy. A lot more people got reading young, old, etc. And we have that for D&D. But it's interesting because if you're reading a book like Harry Potter or watching more movies or whatever the experience might be that's entirely an act of consumption you are just listening to more podcasts or reading more books but it's like a a unidirectional flow information comes into you and you're like wow that was really great and then nothing happens and while that's definitely happening with critical role i find it interesting that because DD is such a collaborative creative experience that yes there are people that are consuming it passively there are fans uh i was gonna say true fans but i don't i just mean like dedic- dedicated fans yeah who take that and do all the normal fandom stuff and then there are people that put that back into campaigns and then like the the circle goes full cycle and th- and that's not necessarily something that happens in like the harry potter world it might encourage you to write fanfic and maybe do some more writing but i feel like uh, we didn't get the same. I guess there's a much higher barrier to entry there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For this, the barrier to entry is basically finding someone willing to DM 
or finding but, people to subject yourself to. <laughs> yeah, and and it's funny because it's like this. This could have, in theory, just been like Matt Mercer became uh, was gif- was given an animated show to write on, and he wrote his story out. That would be fun, but it wouldn't be the same thing because it's watching people play D and D that's the attraction, which is fascinating. Because D&D is collaborative storytelling. So you're watching people tell the story together via dice and like slip ups and all <laughs> that fun stuff. And it's more entertaining than, than if you were to just to watch the same story just in a, in a show. It's collaborative storytelling. But what I was wondering if either of you had thought about this, uh, like so far we've been talking about it's, you know, critical role is great because it's this collaborative Dungeons and Dragons experience for the people playing but not for the people watching and that makes me that that almost begs the question it's like okay so does that mean that like literally any D live stream is a success and the answer is obviously no so but, what's uh, what, what what's yeah, so different what, what's going on here yeah i mean it can't all it can't all just be matt mercer laura bailey uh i'm really sorry i don't know all the other <laughs> actors names and it isn't but it is because you can say, oh, like, oh, they were celebrities. You know, they're all voice actors. They're in showbiz or whatever. But I don't think people really knew who they were much before Critical Role. Um, like, you might know Matt Mercer is like McCree from Overwatch. Or, and I, I feel like, or Travis Willingham is Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist. Or, or Bailey from... A bunch of things. I saw her name a lot at the end of an, at the end of a bunch of anime. But like, so I like some people may have known them from that, but I don't know how many people that would draw. I think it's it's a combination of a lot of things. Like, first of all, there's no substitute for repetition. They have been playing for five years on stream, and at least two years before that off. At least since they've been on stream, like, every week. So, like, that in itself will make you a better DM slash player. And because they're voice actors, because of the acting the acting training they they have, they're using that to, like, give, give the storytelling on the characters, like, a boost. Like, it, uh... Like, you, like you, you feel the, the change when they're talking out of character and when they go into character. It's not like a slightly different. It's like they're doing a voice. They're doing. They're like inhabiting a character, and like though it, though they're like, it's it's not, they're not character actory. Like when they get into character, they can't like do anything else, and they can't start eating a bag of chips right after they talk or something like that. <laughs> but uh, like you, you could kind of feel the change, and like it's being treated seriously. That is the main thing. They're all treating it like like these are real characters, and, and not that D and D is like nerdy shit or whatever, which is like. <laughs> been slowly happening with a lot of things that were considered nerdy when uh like when we were younger but it's just like by people who love it and don't think it's a joke yeah there's definitely that sincerity element probably because they had been playing together for two years before the show was a show yeah. um there's definitely a strong sense that this isn't a bunch of people who you know got met met <clears throat> Matt Mercer didn't go around to all of these different voice actors and say, we should play D&D and record it and put it on the internet, and here's a contract, and all that sort of stuff. 
there's, there's, that's, there's, that's how all podcasts work, right? That's, <laughs> you guys got the writer? There's big well, fat the, contracts. Well, yeah, yeah. Especially in, in LA, LA, con- LA podcasts, especially. Oh, yeah. You know, but because there's that history of them already playing together, they already built up that chemistry. There is, there's that electricity going on between them all. Yeah, you, you think like in a D and D podcast, it's going to God. It's a show, it, and then it comes out as a podcast after. I listen to it as a podcast, but you like you'd think, especially because it's for people watching, that it would all tend towards comedy, and it often does. But there have been like people are like pulling out like some real serious character biz that have really, really taken me by surprise. Because I'm like, oh. It's that kind of show now. Or, or oh, I completely misunderstood what this character was about kind of thing. And that's like, that was very surprising to me. Because I would listen to it if it was all just like surface level and like everyone's just having like fun with it. But like, there's some like serious biz in there. I'm a little disappointed that I did not have the time. And it's easy to see why I don't have the time. Every episode is like <laughs> two and a half episodes long. I've been listening... We were talking about this before the show started today. I have been listening to the most recent episode as of this recording, which is episode 86, and no spoilers, but they're doing a dungeon crawl, and so there's... I say dungeon crawl mostly because I don't have any context, but they're in a dungeon exploring it, and I don't get to see those elements, but that's because, like in a session, you don't see character development happen in 20 minutes. It's not a TV show. (laughs) No, no, exactly. But you do get to see bits of character, lots of strong characterization in that short span of time. But I'm disappointed because I, you're like, oh, there's these serious moments. I've like, I've seen lots of moments of levity and tension, but not say like, oh, this, this is what this character is about. It's a, it's a very delicate balance because if it were too many serious moments, people wouldn't want to watch it. No, that's true. Um, I think, I think they've got it. I also, I expect, I mean, maybe like you listen to the most recent episode, but I expect that as it goes on, as things develop, you get more more moments like that. Um, yes, char- yeah. Once characters are more lived in, I've I've had it interesting doing the research for the show. Um, kind of, actually, a lot of different meta aspects that we don't see in different other fandoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I found it interesting that there's this divide. Not a divide, but a, a large distinction between the fans on Reddit and the fans on Tumblr. Hmm. And a lot of people would be like, Herder, yeah, that's because this group is this way or, or whatever. But <sighs> what I found most interesting about it was that folks on Reddit tend to be more about gameplay, mechanics, etc. It's like, how is Dungeons & Dragons being played by critical rollers? Hmm. And then Tumblr is more like, look at this world look at the setting look at the characters the the towns the the monsters etc mm-hmm. and that's only one aspect the other one being like you have people who are playing characters but the characters are the people but it's not actors like on a tv show where you're like well obviously um brie larson is not captain marvel or is she yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, and it's also these people made these characters, right? So it's it's not it's not like they're playing like they were paid to do a role, like they're 
they're they were invested in the creation of these characters from the very beginning so they must have some must be some part of them or have some investment in in how the character is so the the distinction between actor and character is like very blurred also oftentimes they will say stuff that's not in character in their character's voice and i don't know (laughs) if some of it's just like keeping in the voice (laughs) or if they're if it's a deliberate choice well you know it's really hard to stay in a character when you constantly drop to your normal speaking voice yeah yeah (laughs) i'm sure that's how they justify it (laughs) yeah um liam o'brien as as caleb that's that's a that's a 13 that's that's pretty good like (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like like i i get what's going on but it's just like like it's seemingly random when they're when they're used when they use their normal voice and when they there'll be a couple times when they're like hey dm what i i don't know this but my character knows this what is this Sorry, I was th- I'm th- like I'm thinking back to the episode, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's a lot of them. They'll just like say things that are. Uh, I guess the best example is I was reading um, Vox Machina Origins, and even though it's not based on a session or series of sessions, it's based on the characters, uh, and they wrote like an origin story for them. Like one of the characters who is like a halfling, I think, is like very meta. And oh, I see. Talk, talks about like s- life as a story, but you're reading a comic. So when he makes Whoa. reference to the story, it feels like he's referencing because because you can do that in the medium. Um, but also, it's like at some point he like casts lightning bolt or something, and he uses like the keyword, the magic word, thunderstruck. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, I I can I- see where this is going. I believe I'm not super familiar with with campaign one. I want to say that that is Scanlan, that's who's Scanlan, played yeah. who's played by Sam Regal, who I think does it has the most meta commentary or like pop culture referency. Um, because at one point in the second campaign, um, he's someone's writing out the name of the character. And he goes, "What's your name?" And he goes, "Ford." And then they go, "Do you have a last name?" And then Sam Regal's character goes, "Tough." <laughs> it's pretty good it's pretty good amazing whether that's canon or not i don't know but it doesn't appear in the wikipedia entry so oh that's a shame (laughs) yeah i i find the blurring of of actor and character super interesting too because it's it's more than that right it's if you had an actor an actor is obviously going to do whatever research they can for a role but they're also not the writer. <laughs> yeah. But they kind of are. In, in this case, they no, I, I mean, indeed, yeah. indeed either. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, also in fan art, sometimes the characters sort of look like the actors that are portraying them already. So that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, or sometimes in fan art they are made to look more like the actors that are playing them like mm-hmm. sorry Z. oh no worries well i mean like i only listened to to the podcast version of the show so i was not uh not able to experience this firsthand but i mean the the stream itself you're seeing like with a tv show you know you obviously see the actors like old reference uh because it's it's old now i guess kimmy schmidt 
you're seeing the actors and yeah. playing these roles. But yeah. like with with D and D, there's like kind of with any tabletop RPG, there's like this weird sort of agreement between whatever audience you might have and the people playing the game, the DM, the players. Um, in that, like, as we've been saying, they are both the character and the person. But I think because there's, you know, because like the primary me- the primary media that I think people uh, enjoy, consume, whatever verb you want to use here uh, today is like TV stuff or streaming stuff, live like live action TV shows essentially. So you're used to seeing these actors in these roles where like instead of being sort of 50-50 actor role, it's like 80 role, 20 actor, maybe if they're doing a good job, maybe 100% role, 0% yeah. actor. Um, but with D&D, it's like maybe 60-40, maybe 50-50, maybe, maybe the actor gets in there a little bit more. I know that there is some chatter, um, I think this was either from the Reddit or maybe, maybe on Quora, somebody had mentioned that um, part of the appeal sort of lies in the fact that this, because this has been going on for a while, um, people in the audience have sort of seen the characters grow. Sure. But they've also seen, they've also seen the actors maybe not necessarily grow, but like their life uh, experiences change. Some of them have gotten married. Some of them have had kids and like, I think it's one of the, I think it's another instance, much like Harry Potter where the audience is maybe growing up a little bit along with the cast in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's going to wildly speculate that in 2014, a lot of the people starting to watch maybe in like their mid to late twenties. And then, you know, they kind of, as the, the people on the show get married and have kids, the people watching, I guess the, some of the people watching, certainly maybe not, not a lot of them are going through the same experiences, which like makes the whole, bonding thing happen that much more powerfully between them well yeah it's like it's like you know you, you have a thing that you consume every week or watch every week and you feel like you get to know them like friends because they will mm-hmm. you know talk about their personal lives or they get like interviewed in like um like like media that surrounds critical role you know yeah shoulder shoulder programming i guess you'd call it um yeah, but for example, Matt Matt Mercer has been DMing and playing D and D since high school. Uh, Travis Willingham and Marcia Ray had not played D and D until they started doing that initial campaign that they started. Uh, yeah, I saw Travis Willingham talking about it, and he was like, <laughs> "It's like, hey, okay, I need you to give me a backstory." He was like, "What? What do you mean? It's a game, <laughs> right?" <laughs> and he's like, "What do you want to do?" And he's like, "What do you mean? What do I want to do?" Like he can do anything. He's like, what? And that like his brain like exploded. He's like, oh man, I get it. <laughs> it makes me think of, uh, there was a really good quote and I can't find it again, but it talked about how, you know, before we had the telephone, you know, the closest you could be to somebody other than your neighbor was, was a letter that you wrote to someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we got the telephone, like you could call up anyone around the world and then when you got the internet you know literally anyone can be with you right there right now and i think with critical role it feels like 
you're close to the people like you you see these people get married have kids etc it feels like you're close to the people even though you're not and that's not like uh fans are deluded or anything like that it's it's just that like uh in general the internet makes fandom feel more connected than it is yeah, oh, yeah. uh and i guess with critical role in particular that's that's really neat because when you talk about a TV fandom, when you talk about a movie fandom, when you talk about a book fandom, like realistically, like I'm, I'm not going to meet Emma Watson and her kind of life is completely different than mine. But when you have a bunch of people, a bunch of famous people sit down and play D and D that is different because that feels like it could be my life and I could be playing with them. That's and that true. that makes a really interesting connection that's different than when they have like Stephen Colbert on the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, I can imagine sitting down for a game with Matt Mercer, and then it's like, can you imagine playing a game with Stephen Colbert? And it's like, no. When when would we ever be in the same room together? <laughs> you, got, you guys both watch that? I didn't. Yeah. It was also on my list of things to watch. Yeah, I gave it a watch. I think I saw gifs of it. Does that count? Yeah, yeah. That's that's close enough. That's all. That's all you need. Just a gift for the headline. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was charming. <laughs> I know. He was like, I, Matt had like a line that was. He was just like, yeah. I just started playing since high school, and uh, yeah, it kind of worked out for me. Yeah. It's like this is literally <laughs> what I do now. <laughs> Speaking of which, I remember clicking on. On YouTube, my suggested things, it had um, uh, The Nerdist, not Geek and Sundry, but The Nerdist, had Celebra D&D, uh, where I assume it's like, it's like a one-shot with different celebrities, and it was Terry Crews, Ooh. which is great. Did they have Terry Crews playing Terry Crews, the character that has been made into a fake D&D 5 character? I don't believe so. Okay, I'm I'm pretty sure it's been brought up when we did an episode on D and D, but like, if you haven't seen that's, that, look that up. That's fantastic, and Terry Crews is fantastic. Oh yes, sorry, continue. Um, yeah, yeah, but he was, I'm like, okay, so it's the Nerdist. I'm like, so wonder, I wonder who like, I wonder what what there looks like if they haven't like if they travel in in any of the same circles as the Critical Role people do in L A. And Matt Mercer was the DM. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, so you just do this for everybody. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are other people that do um, D and D shows. Uh, Debran Wall has one. Yeah, and as as he mentioned, obviously the Adventure Zone. Yep, mm-hmm. and and there's a few other, but I don't know something about. I feel like there's something about the kind of D and D they play, like in in the 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 reddit thread how do i beat the matt mercer effect uh the top response is matt himself i mean like the 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 the, the poster was like so like uh, like all my friends just like they want to play D, but it's only because i've seen critical role so they want everything to be exactly like critical role and matt was the first response and he says like ah i wish that this wasn't the case i, w- I want everyone to kind of like find their own style of uh, of D and D, you don't have to like just do what ours is. You know, just gotta copy our characters. You find what you like about D and D and like do that. Like if 
if we inspired you to start playing it, that's great. But like, also, we've been doing this for a long time, and we're professional voice actors. <laughs> so like, you gotta, you gotta get there. But I think the D and D that says on Critical Role is like, like a like a major key, like a kinder, friendlier D and D than than I think a lot of people think would have thought about D and D earlier. Well, I just think of like a a grueling dungeon crawl or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It, before we started the episode, one of the questions you had asked G is: Are critical rands a critical rand? Are Rand Paul fans? Are Ra- and Ryan? Same <laughs> 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 words. Welcome to the Improv Podcast. <laughs> every I don't know if you've noticed the every episode of the podcast is <laughs> this. We are the critical role of no, we're not the critical role of nah. podcasts. I don't think so. Before this, before we started recording today, G you'd said. Are Critical Role fans D and D fans? And I think the answer to that is is like, if you just want a blanket answer, the answer is no. But I think what it has done, what you've been saying, is that it is making Critical Role fans into maybe not necessarily D and D fans, maybe just tabletop role playing fans. But I think it it is doing that because it makes it feel like you can do it. It makes it feel like it's normal. It makes it feel like you can get a bunch of your friends together and do it. And it more importantly, it makes it feel like you're not sitting around with a bunch of people stained in Cheeto dusk, <laughs> rolling a D 20 being like, does a 21 hit? And it's yeah. like, well, actually you're behind half cover. So that means that, like nobody wants, I mean, you can play a tactical game like that, but I think when people see this and, and see like, um, matt just like tell it like it is it's like oh you almost do this or like you have the advantage or whatever it makes it feel like it's fun and you can do it and it's not this boring math game <laughs> i think i mean i mean this is getting into the weeds a little bit but i really appreciate things like he describes misses yeah like because my experience has been like you miss um but he like describes what happens and it's like it never occurred to me that when you miss D&D, it could be because someone blocked you or someone dodged you, not because yeah. you're just stupid all of a sudden. <laughs> Staying in the weeds for just a second. Ah. Yeah, yeah. It, re- it really helps that with Critical Role, everything that Matt and the players say, even at their slowest, is really quick. And I know I, I've been listening to it at 1.5 times. That's very quick. That's very quick. But what I mean is people are fairly decisive and Mm. Matt is rehearsed, even though he doesn't know what the players are going to do. And so he describes a miss again, because he's got this, this long history, this long knowledge base of experience. But if we, if we were playing like you and I, and we described a miss, the reason that we don't do that is because it would probably take us a long time to come up with something that actually sounds like something you want to hear. Yeah. There's only so many times that you want to hear, Ooh, the sword ricochets off the armor. And you're like, you did that like the last 30 times. It's the same stuff all over and over. (laughs) Yeah. It's also a different thing every time with Matt. Yeah. Sometimes you slip on the stairs. Sometimes you block. Sometimes, uh, you yeah. hit, but not an important point. Yeah. But it's even, it's as you said, it's more descriptive than that. When he's describing a place, he's talking at a pace like this, and you're able to bring it all together and not have to 
sit there and listen to 20 minutes of exposition. He's kind of figured out what details are important and which are not. Yeah. And and the players have gotten really good at describing things that are important to the other players and to the DM. Yeah. And the other thing, too, that's just occurred to me is that it is in the form of what how you would play D, uh, D&D. Four hours once a week. Yeah. Like, if it was a one-hour show, that would seem weird because no one really <laughs> usually plays D&D for, like, an hour. Um, yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't settle down, everybody. Cool, that's forty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't be. It would not be satisfying. Through this conversation, reflecting on it briefly here in the weeds, um, it occurs to me that uh, this show, Critical Role, it's free, and I think one really important thing that T had mentioned earlier is that Matt Mercer. And the whole cast, making it look effortless, making it look cool to play d and I mean, like, um, full-on honesty, they're all attractive people. I think that goes a long way. <laughs> um, that, but it, that, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and beyond that, seeing those attractive people playing this nerdy game and doing it well, making it seem cool, making it seem normal... I think is super important because if you pair that up with it being free, then somebody who finds this and is like, Oh, this is really cool. I should share this. Doesn't have to worry about thinking, you know, Oh, it's kind of really nerdy. It's it's D and D. Nobody likes that. I don't want to, I don't want people to think I'm weird or anything. They don't have to worry about that. They they just see these voice actors or they just see these people who are playing D and D very competently and not just talking numbers all the time. Because of five E's advantage disadvantage system, everybody can, Matt Mercer can just get away with saying you've got advantage on that. You have the higher ground. So, <laughs> so I think that plays well with the the whole free aspect of it. it. Makes it really easy to to get people into it and to get people sharing it, which helps build up the community immensely. Attractive grown adults playing D anD D and taking it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, taking it seriously is the other kind of important element, I think. Maybe maybe partially why the Adventure Zone didn't uh, blow up in the same way. <laughs> oh, is it not? It's a little, little tongue-in-cheek? I mean, well, not entirely. Like, they, they take it seriously enough, but, like, definitely... Uh, it's definitely more about the fun of the game than necessarily being serious all the time. There are definitely heartfelt moments, definitely some... Uh, some strong storytelling in it as it goes on, but it's definitely a bunch of total goofballs just getting together and playing D and D. I see. Yeah. I think this is a good spot as any to bring up our final thoughts. And I have a doozy of a final thought. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Oh, it's, you you should have seen this one coming a mile away. And, (laughs) And that is, I'm sorry, literally everyone else on critical role that I made this entire episode about Matt Mercer. You are all great. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, in all seriousness, beyond that, I think critical role is a really interesting show. I don't know that. I don't think I have the time. (laughs) I say this with so many of the media franchises that we talk about. I do not have the time to watch or listen to two and a half hours of anything in a given week. It's so, there's <laughs> so much of it. There's yeah. so much of it. 
There's so much of it. But what I will say is that I really dig all of the stuff that I've seen in the fandom, the art, the cosplay. Like, I can't, like, it blows my mind that there are people that are cosplaying, they're effectively cosplaying people's OC. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Literally, yeah. And, like, yeah. Yeah, that is just wonderful. So that's my final thoughts. Thank you, Matt Mercer. Thank you, everyone else on Critical Role. Everyone else on Critical Role, you are also important. I just can't remember all of your names. I'm sorry. Oh, and thank you, it's Ginny D, because Mm -hmm. uh, you posted a thing for your husband that you released to the internet about how to catch up on Critical Role. And while I didn't catch up, it was still really useful for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well... What can I say? I mean, I mean, I'm on board. I'll be listening to it over, over a long while, because <laughs> I don't think there's any other way to listen to it. Um, I can't, like, as I said, I can't binge it. It's, it's a lot. I enjoy it when I'm listening to it, but uh, yeah, it needs to be, not not all the time. But yeah, it it like the thing that it does most is get me excited about D and D. Yeah, which, which I love. So I'm like, thank you for that. Like it, it's kind of. Like, like in a way, it's like a great advertisement for 5e because <laughs> it happened shortly after they switched to 5e. And, but it's like, like, like it, a lot of, most of it's that they're playing, but it like, it shows you like the kind of game that you could have. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what, what happens with these characters and where, where, where everybody goes, how, like, I don't know what high level D and D play looks like, and this time I do mean like literally a high level, like above ten. I have no idea what that looks like, so I can find out via Critical Role, and I could listen to Travis Willingham say Eldritch Blast <laughs> literally forever. So hopefully, being it's probably one of the best attacks that a warlock has, I'm probably going to get to hear it quite a few more times. So, double thumbs up. For critical role from me, <laughs> I've got to start out my final thoughts with a very uh, insightful thought from one gravy gecko on Reddit. Critical role is the game you think you are going to have. The adventure zone is the game you have. <laughs> <laughs> and with that in mind, using that as the context here. I'm I'm kind of good with the game that I have, you know? Like, I listened to uh, the first episode of the second campaign, and honestly, I feel like that was a pretty good spot to start because it gives you a really good variety of the different kind of things that can come up in a game. Like, um, you get everybody introduced to each other through circumstances that aren't just plain old. You meet up at a tavern and a fight starts. You get a little bit of like the interaction between characters and sort of how, I guess, their day-to-day lives work. And you get some combat. So it's like a really good blend of everything that comes up in a game, as well as some table talk, of course. But maybe because I was listening to it at one times speed, the slowest of speeds... <laughs> Um, it just it just didn't click with me, or maybe it maybe it was that. And um, I mean, my my barometer for this is very much the adventure zone, where there are four people, one DM, and three players. So, listening to what is it, seven people and one DM? Yeah, it's it sounds yeah. like it's going to be a nightmare, like based yeah. just based on the stats of what's going on. Yeah, but yeah. If I was 
just listening to it nothing else maybe i'd maybe i'd be better off watching it on youtube or on twitch but trying to listen to it passively just didn't work for me and i found it even though there was a lot going on over the course of about two hours it just seemed sort of slow to me it kind of is like i don't think i can watch a whole episode on youtube like i I couldn't sit and watch the same thing for four hours like that yeah Um, i kind of feel like i'm caught between the two yeah podcast is a must for me i when when c when t said he was listening to it faster i'm like oh you know what that is a great way to catch up because there's so much of critical role i tried at 1.25 i can't do it and i can't get used to it um so it's what's regular speed for me but i was i was uh i'm in a DD campaign right now with people who are who are critters and who are all caught up and was suggested to start at the beginning of the second campaign. They've really? had, yeah. yeah, they've had some experience like streaming the thing as well. So, wow. Yeah. So for any, anyone starting, start there. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic place to start, but I don't know. It just didn't click with me. The Adventure Zone Balance Arc is is my uh, one true live tabletop experience. Woo. <laughs> if, if you want a laundry list of of things that are not podcasts but are D D related like the adventure zones graphic novel do i have stuff for you yeah. <laughs> it's not a laundry list it's like three items but i can get them to you <laughs> um and for what it's worth I, it didn't click for me until about episode five which admittedly is 20 hours yeah. into critical role at the same time, I had people tell me, oh, Fringe gets good after the first season. The first season <laughs> yep. is 25 hour long episodes. <laughs> yeah. And I watched that whole season and then I was like, you know what? I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> so just no. goes to show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm content to, uh, to leave Critical Role where it lay. On a, maybe a natural 20, let's say. Critical <laughs> Role is a natural 20. That reminds me of this incredible, this incredible first line of an article about the Kickstarter that hit $11.3 million. Yeah. The first line, fans of Critical Role have spoken and they want more Critical Role. <laughs> <laughs> Inspired, truly inspired a, writing. A plus journalism there. Mm-hmm. But that is where we're going to leave the discussion today. You can, of course, continue continue the discussion. You check out Fanthropological on Facebook or Fanthropologic on Twitter. Uh, keep talking about the conversation. Do you love Critical Role? Do you hate Critical Role? Did it make you play D&D? Did D&D make you watch Critical Role? Do you prefer the Adventure Zone like Z seems to? You know, let us know. Uh, for for all those things that we do, you can find us at the Nixcast literally everywhere on the internet. Um, you can also find Fanthropological in, you know, the podcatcher of your choice. So don't hesitate to leave a rating or review, preferably a five-star rating. But, you know, the truth the truth will out. So put down what you feel. And we'll, we'll take feedback at nick at the com as well. So there are lots of ways to reach us. Well, starting up on our on our uh, Twitch channel, 
twitch.tv slash the race against time on january 14th we are going to be playing one of the greatest games ever made and a, and a plot that is a surefire uh, hbo hit uh final fantasy 6 uh the briefest of games which we're going to play over a long period of time um so did you turn into that probably like six or seven or something like that uh more info to come but uh, yeah, we're going to be digging into Final Fantasy VI, and I'm really, really excited because after Chrono Trigger, it's my favorite game. Um, as well as that, if you want to know more about us, you can find the music that I've been making and uh, more music coming soon at uh, fragileair.bandcamp.com or just fragileair on Spotify uh, and go check out my tunes. Um, we also have other podcasts uh, for your listening pleasure if you're if you if you're all caught up on Fathological. It may be looking like winter, depending on where you are, but we are not hibernating. Uh, if you want to listen to some more episodes of some other cool stuff that we've made, then you might want to answer some questions. For In particular, have you ever wondered how long King Guardia has reigned for, or wanted to know more about Luca's and her family's crazy inventions? Well, we've got you covered in the Zeal Archives, which explores the world of Chrono Trigger one bit at a time. Covering the characters, items, mechanics, locales, and lore with a dose of your hosts, myself and G, personal experiences with the game mixed in. Not to mention a heaping helping, a heaping helping of a little bit of an audio drama bookending the beginning and end of each episode. You can check that out at zealarchives.com or you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at zealarchives. New episodes will be starting in 2020 leading up to the race against time the main event of our twitch channel and there may even be a single new episode to cap off 2019 in your feed if you go check that out right now and if you're curious about uh the one who likes the adventure zone (laughs) then you can check me out over on twitter at nick sc zach it's the same thing on Instagram, at Nick S.C. Zach. And if you're interested in poetry of any sort or adventure stories of any kind, maybe uh, medieval fantasy-type stories, much like those experienced in Critical Role, you should definitely go over to Amazon and check out Beowulf, a mostly modern verse translation by yours truly. By the narrator. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up for this week, everybody. Next week, we're going to be exploring the wide world of, fur- of furries with a special guest. So uh, don't miss it. Until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. For those... Yeah. Not in the know. Critical Role is an American web series in which a group of professional voice actors. Seriously, Google? Here's what I found on the web. Just, just let Google read it. It says voice actors. Seriously, Google. Ah. Uh, okay. Let's try that again. For those not in the know, with reference to that little Eldritch Blast. Gimmick. Uh, Critical Role is an American web series in which a group of professional voice actors. I'm just going to turn my fucking phone off. <laughs> yeah. None of that sounds like the right words. No. 
Critical Role. Does Critical Role sound like Google? I guess with my enunciation. (laughs) Hmm. (sighs) Fucking okay. Ha! No, not even thinking that shit. I don't even know where to go for this. Aha. Did you just say, oh, fuck? I said, aha. Let me see here. He's he's rolling for his first impression. Uh, See, I I reached into my bag and grabbed a D30, and I'm like, that's not right. (laughs) That is a 14. Can I (laughs) beat that? Passive perception. (laughs) (laughs) Initiative. Oh, no. Ooh, ooh. Uh, five to ten, five to fifteen, fifteen to thirty. Yeah. What'd you roll? Uh, nine. Nine. <laughs> nine. Nine. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. okay. Good. If I rolled this dice, it would make a terrible noise. <laughs> it's the metal dice. Ooh, yeah, that'd be yeah. pretty nasty. Um, 